everybody. Welcome to season three of Boo My Dad Says. My name is John. And I'm Becca. And we are your tour guides through the world of the paranormal. We've got a whole lot of history, a whole lot of mystery, and a whole lot of weird. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a spine-tingling time. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Boo, My Dad Says. My name is John, and I am your host with the most who likes to hang out with a ghost. This week, we don't have Becca with us because we are going to be talking about the most recent ghost hunt that I attended at Sycamore Shoals and the Carter Mansion in Elizabethan, Tennessee. But before we get started with that, let's jump in for just a minute and give uh, a little update. We are still doing the Buy Me a Coffee donations for the month of August going to our Isaiah 117 House uh, fundraising charity that we have teamed up with the Smoky Mountain Ghostbusters on. So we're going to be doing that through the month of August. So anytime that you do buy me a coffee slash boo, my dad says 100% of the proceeds are going to the Isaiah 117 house fundraiser. Now, if you would like to check us out, you can find us on Facebook or boo, my dad on Instagram and Twitter at Boo My Dad Says. So we pretty much have all the social media aspects uh, covered except for TikTok. And I think I'm just too old for TikTok because I just don't understand it. Go figure. But anywho, you can find me on all of those other uh, platforms. You can also email the show at john at boomydadsays.com if you have a personal experience you would like to share with our listeners. We can make sure that you are anonymous if you don't want your identity out there. So we can make up a name for you like Bubba or uh, um, Larry or my other cousin Larry or, you know, something like that. Um, but Send us your uh, personal stories, and they will be read on the air. Uh, We enjoy a good um, personal story there. Now, let's get on with our ghost hunt. So, a couple of weekends ago, I went to uh, Sycamore Shoals and did a ghost hunt with uh, SRS Paranormal. And they're the group that I usually go out with. Uh, They're a really good group. And um, very professional, very uh, just well put together, well done organization. They do a mixture of the uh, modern day ghost hunting, you know, using the EMF readers or the spirit boxes and rim pods and things like that. But they also mix it with some of the old Victorian Victorian era uh, equipment like the uh, dowsing rods and the pendulums and things like that. So you kind of get a good blend of being able to verify one way or the other, the, what you're getting when you're out in an investigation, a little bit of history of 
the uh, Sycamore Shoals Historic Site. Uh, it started out as a colonial settlement. The flatlands around Sycamore Shoals have been sporadically inhabited by Native Americans for thousands of years and were probably cultivated during the Mississippian period, which was around 1000 to 1600 CE, or as uh, some of us old timers like to say, AD. When the uh, first European explorers arrived in the area in the early 18th century, the Cherokee were using the flats as a gathering place for hunting expeditions. In the 1760s, long hunters and traders established stations and hunting camps in the Watauga Valley in the vicinity of Sycamore Shoals. These early explorers called the flats the Watauga Old Fields due to the resemblance of once cultivated lands that had been left fallow. In 1770, James Robertson, who was a later founder of Nashville, made an excursion into the Watauga Valley, possibly to locate settlement sites for families fleeing the turmoil of the regulator movement in his native North Carolina. A trader pointed Robertson to the old fields, which Robertson later described as a promised land, and planted a corn crop and built a cabin and corn crib. Robertson then departed for North Carolina, but returned to the old fields a few months later with several families to establish what became known as the Watauga Settlement. After surveyors placed the Watauga Settlement and, and the other south of Holston settlements officially within the domain of the Cherokee tribe in 1771, Robertson negotiated a 10-year lease for the Watauga lands. Being outside the authority of any of the British colonies, the Watauga settlers established a regional constitutional government known as the Watauga Association. Tragedy struck as the lease was being celebrated when a Cherokee warrior was murdered by a white man. Robertson's skillful diplomacy made peace with the irate Cherokee who threatened to expel the settlers by force if necessary. Now we're going to be moving on up kind of into the American Revolutionary period. In uh, March 1775, the Treaty of Sycamore Shoals, sometimes called the Transylvania Purchase, was signed by Richard Henderson and the Cherokee leaders Atakulakula and Oconastota. I'm very sorry about butchering those names. If I did, I apologize. The treaty involved the purchase of some 20 million acres of land between the Kentucky River and the Cumberland River, which included a large part of what is now Kentucky and part of Tennessee. Henderson's purchase was in violation of the Royal Proclamation of 1763, however, which prohibited private purchase of American Indian land, and the Virginia and North Carolina assemblies refused to recognize it. The purchase nevertheless led to the blazing of the Wilderness Road by Daniel Boone. In the weeks following the Treaty of Sycamore Shoals, a faction of Cherokee opposed to the sale led by Dragging Canoe aligned themselves with the British with plans to drive the settlers back across the Appalachian Mountains. 
the Watauga and the Nolichucky settlers organized themselves into the Washington District and formed a committee of safety, which acquired arms and built forts, including Fort Watauga, which is located on the Sycamore Shoals site. In July of 1776, the Cherokee invaded the south of Holston settlements. On July 21st, of 1776, a Cherokee invasion force attacked Fort Watauga, but was thwarted by the fort's garrison, which was led by John Carter, James Robertson, and John Sevier. On September 25, 1780, Sycamore Shoals served as the staging area for the Overmountain Men, the frontier militia that crossed the mountains to engage and defeat an army of British loyalists at the Battle of Kings Mountain in South Carolina. Overmountain men had previously fought at the Siege of Charleston. These included what one historian dubbed as the first Tennessee Volunteers, Go Vols, and the Battle of Musgrove Mill, both in 1780, and participated in two campaigns against the Cherokee in 1776 and 1780. William Tatham, Watauga Association clerk and drafter of the Watauga Petition, was present at the Battle of Yorktown in 1781. So that's a little bit about the history of Sycamore Shoals. Now let's talk about the paranormal investigation that I uh, attended there. So the uh, first night that I was there was not super active. But I did get a really good EVP that was kind of actually accidental, but I did uh, send it over to uh, um, Matt over at SRS Paranormal to uh, listen to to see if maybe uh, it could be debunked because he was actually in the video. Because that's the weird thing is I actually picked this up with my video camera that I was recording the video for this hunt for the Patreon episode. And I picked this up, um, and it was like laughter. Um, Just a really almost like wild laughter. And let's take a listen to that and see what you guys think. If it's laughter as an EVP or maybe somebody in the background, but we were not able to debunk it because in the context of the video, there was nothing there that would think that somebody would actually be laughing on camera. Because, well, first the camera was kind of panned away, but it panned back and you didn't see anybody that was just kind of laughing or anything like that or catching the tail end of a joke. So we seem to think that it could be an EVP, that and because the sound seems very out of place. So let's take a listen and see what you think. Okay, now I'm going to increase the volume of the recording just a little bit uh, to kind of give you all just a little bit better. The first time I played it, it was without any kind of 
increasing of audio. So let's turn the volume up just a little bit and see if you can pick it out. As you can tell, the sounds like there's only one person doing the laughter, laughing, and it just seems very out of place from the rest of the of the uh, conversations in the room. Now, I'm not saying that I know for a hundred percent sure that that was an EVP that I've captured, but it is definitely weird enough that I do want to bring it out. Um, like I said, I did send that up to uh, one of the uh, the lead paranormal investigator that was at the site, and he seemed to think it was pretty odd as well. So we'll leave that for you guys to decide. Now, the um, rest of the investigation in the museum, it, it was actually kind of... Um, quiet in there that night um they nobody was really wanting to uh, communicate we did a uh, a rod session with um, we had three different people on rods in three different locations and then we had one person saying you know if um you know your answer if you answer this question or you're this spirit or whatever move this person's rods and um, we didn't really get a lot of interaction on that one that night. So, but, you know, that's kind of what you get sometimes with an investigation. You know, sometimes you get prime rib and then other days you just get chopped steak. A little bit later, we went out to the uh, Fort Watauga that is on site, and we got some really interesting spirit box uh, conversations going out there. We were uh, picking up this male voice, and I'm going to play that uh, for you all right now. My name's Lori. Can you tell me your name? Yes. Ralph. Ralph. I thought I heard Ralph. I did, too. Now, with just a little bit more volume, you'll be able to hear Ralph, I think, come out a little better. My name's Lori. Can you tell me your name? Yes. Ralph. Ralph. I thought I heard Ralph. I did, too. Here's one more little uh, clip from that interaction where he actually requests to speak with Whitley, one of the other investigators. Did that say Whitley? Yeah. I could have swore I'd said it at the time it said Whitley. It was said your name. Positive. Once Whitley came over, we had a few more interactions. And then it sounded like the spirit of a little girl came on the box. And she was wanting us to follow her more to the center of the fort. Where I think she was wanting us to maybe play a game of tag with her. I don't know. But then after that, it, the interaction just kind of got cold. And then we left for the Carter Mansion. Now, the Carter Mansion is located about two or three miles 
away from the Sycamore Shoals site, uh, a little bit towards the back end of Elizabethan. And it was built uh, by uh, John Carter. And his wife is what the, who the town of Elizabethan is named after. His wife was named Elizabeth. And the Carter Mansion is actually the oldest A-framed house in the state of Tennessee. And I have to say, this is when the investigation really started taking off. Uh, The uh, SRS Paranormal, they have a psychic medium on their team named uh, Rhonda. And uh, she... uh, came in and to the house kind of cold didn't not didn't know any of the history of the house um and they wanted to kind of get what her take was because what SRS does before they do a public investigation is they'll come in with their team and they will investigate maybe two or three times to see if there is anything there worth investigating or if there's anything well dangerous uh they won't do a public if they think there's something there that could be harmful well on their team um they have a like i said the psychic medium and but they left her out of the pre-investigations because they wanted to bring her in that night and bring her in cold to get what her take is on the house and uh, when she um, walked in, one of the first things that she picked up on was the spirit that was pacing back and forth in the parlor, had a very heavy presence, um, and it was also walking in the study that was like right next to it and kind of had visions of things being plotted out. And we're going to get to that here in a minute. But then uh, she walked to the staircase that led up to the second floor, and she started feeling this child that was there on the staircase. Um, And the child had a real heavy sense of anxiety about it. And uh, what had turned out is was led... uh, kind of led up to one of the uh, second floor bedrooms and she was sensing that something had happened to a child in that room. And what she was getting was back in the 1800s, um, there was a little boy um, named James, from what we can surmise, who. And we know this through history. Uh, he um, had fell out of the second floor window and died. And he was between the ages of five and six years old. And the child that she was sensing on the staircase was possibly another child who was there who kind of witnessed it and felt like they were going to get in trouble because they were going to think that maybe that they were at fault. And uh, that's kind of where everything left off right there. But now where things really got interesting 
was when they uh, went into the uh, master bedroom and they were they were sensing a woman in there and we're thinking that maybe her name was Caroline and that she uh, well became pregnant with a child that was not exactly her her husband's and it was due more to an assault situation and from what we can gather, this uh, person who did that was a traveling preacher, uh, possibly an Episcopalian preacher. Um, and we had picked up some things on uh, Spirit Box that kind of led to that because we picked up the word bishop. and But what we can tell is that she was pregnant. Um, they did not want this getting out. So she was murdered and at the river, uh, from what they can tell, um, he had maybe led her down there and hit her over the head with a rock and then kind of drowned her and then let her go down the river. And it's very interesting that because I know I've got a video where the psychic was actually saying, man, my head is really hurting. And I thought she was probably picking up on that. And if my memory serves, I was actually kind of having a headache that night myself. Um, but we had went back down to the study and uh, I was kind of, we were doing a, a spirit box session in there and we were uh, a good friend of mine had went with me on this hunt and he was doing um, a spirit box session under Estes where they put the noise canceling headphones on. And uh, so you can't hear the questions that are being asked. And he picked up the word murder and then they didn't like us knowing, you know, kind of figuring out the uh, the dirty secret of it all. And we actually got told to get out by a male voice. And that was pretty wild. We had another incident in the study as well. Um, another gentleman who was on the hunt, he was getting like cold, you know, picking up some cold chills sitting over uh, on a bench near the fireplace. So he, we put him under Estes and it kind of, um, see, I'm trying to look at my notes here. That's when we kind of figured out that the spirit that we're thinking that was murdered was named Caroline. I, Cause I think he picked up the name Caroline while he was under the under the Estes spirit box connection. And also during that time frame, there was a blue, kind of like a blue mass that was uh, picked up on the, uh, well, not on any camera. It was actually just kind of seen floating between him and Wes, one of the other historians. And then while they were, we were in the room, 
there was a child that had came in there and Wes was standing by the fireplace and he had felt a, like a small hand, like trying to put a ball in his hand. And uh, during that time under the spirit box, it was saying like um, something like, do you feel me or um, something of that nature. That pretty much ended up the first night of the investigation. Although I do have one more funny story to tell while we were there investigating. Uh, I had gone up into the attic of the house, and up there there were some pretty (laughs) creepy paintings and stuff that was up there. And... But what was funny is they were saying that they were going to separate the the men and the women, let the women have the uh, the second floor, and then the men were going to go downstairs in the study. And as I was getting ready to go downstairs, I was putting my hand kind of on the, uh, I was starting to go down the steps. I was putting my hand on the floor to kind of brace as I was going down. And I looked over, and I saw this metal rod that was kind of bent and then one end kind of stuck it was stuck straight up and at first glance I thought it was a snake so I let out this yell like I was a three-year-old little girl and I'm just like ah, snake <laughs> and, <laughs> and um the uh everybody was like is everything okay no, I just thought I saw a snake, but no, it's not. He said, are you all right? And I'm like, no, I'm not all right. <laughs> I'm like by having a heart attack because I thought I had saw a snake. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I will sit here and investigate ghosts all day long. But, yeah, you put me within five foot of a snake, and I'm just like my legs just go rubbery. And I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. you know. <laughs> and uh, so it turned out that I, what I thought was a snake was just this metal bar. And, you know, when you sit there and look at it in the photo, which uh, it'll be uh, me nearly falling down the stairs, uh, will be in the Patreon video. It's quite funny to hear, to to see the reaction. Um, But, yeah, that was definitely one of the uh, funnier highlights from the first night. Now, moving on to night number two. We definitely got a lot more activity as far as communication when we went and did the investigation at the visitor center at the the Sycamore Shoals site. The uh, we had made contact with a gentleman that we think had not been passed very long because Sycamore Shoals site is near the uh, hospital. And what we were picking up was somebody that we had thought maybe had been passed on like in the last three, six months. And um, Christina, one of the other people who's quite sensitive in the group, she was kind of picking up on him on the first night, but he never would really kind of come out and communicate, but on the second night, we were able to really get some good communication from him on the dowsing rods, and 
some of the stuff that we were thinking didn't quite match up because he was saying that it was 2017 when he passed due to an accident where maybe somebody had hit him uh, with a car in Elizabethan and that he was in his mid to late 20s that he had a message that he wanted us to pass on. And the message was for his little boy uh, who was eh, at the time would have been, was less than five years old. So, and that he wanted to uh, say that, you know, he loved that just tell him that he, we, he wanted us to tell him that he loved him. And we are still trying to investigate who this might be. We, uh, I've done some Google searching and things like that. And I've not really come up with anything concrete from 2017. So we're thinking, you know, we may try to broaden our search a little bit year wise, maybe come forward just a little bit because we've not found anything that really matched up with that year. But uh, if we do find something, I will keep you all posted on that. Then we went back out to the fort on the second night, and the second night out there was kindly a little flat, uh, although we did run into the spirit of what we believe was a a little uh, girl who was Cherokee. and. You know, I had some interactions with um, with her on like a, um, I think we used the pendulum out there and we got some pretty good little interactions um, on that, but it wasn't anything major, like major revelations or anything like that, you know, um, but just, you know, light communication, you know, hello, how are you, you know, and who are you and all that. But it was it was still a you know it was still a fun uh, communication. Then we went back again for the second night to the Carter Mansion, and we were able to kind of get the rest of the puzzle pieces put back together. Definitely, I will say this, and I should have mentioned this earlier. I have had very, very weird equipment failures on this investigation. And I will give you an example on the first night. And I'm thinking, I don't know if maybe the spirit just did not want this story to get out. But on the first night, uh, some of the video that I was taking for the, uh, spirit box session in the study was gone. Uh, it, it was recording just fine. Then we got up to where this other individual was, was talking uh, or un- was under Estes. And I was sitting there and I had the camera trained on him the whole time. And when I was going through and doing my res- or my review of the footage, the um it's like it started with his conversation and then it cut off and then it picked back up again like at the very end 
very weird. And um, I had some other issues in night number two with audio. Uh, I was using an external microphone on my camera, which I could have sworn was turned on the entire time. But I have a whole um, swath of video that did not get audio or was audio was very degraded. And I spent several hours yesterday. I mean, we're talking six hours, maybe trying to at least bring it up to somewhat listenable for those of you who are on, who will be getting the video. It was quite the chore to make it even somewhat audible, but I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but it is very, very weird that I had those equipment failures. Now, going back to the uh, second night, And kind of to continue on with the narrative that we are working on, the first group that went through that night had made some contact with three children. Uh, One was named Ezekiel, who was 15. Another one named Annie, who was between eight and nine. And one named James, who was between five and six. And they were slave children who never made it into adulthood. And James was the child that fell out of the second floor window and died. And one of the things that they'd found out was when a, you know, a slave had passed, they didn't bother to give them a proper burial. They just threw them in the river and let them float, float uh, away, which is incredibly, that's just not cool, man. Not cool at all. And uh, we also, had they had made some contact with a spirit that we believe was named Serafina uh, around 1871. And she was a lady that we believe that may have witnessed the murder of Caroline that we were talking about the the girl who was impregnated and was murdered before childbirth uh, by the uh, traveling preacher. And um, we were trying to get her to kind of, you know, tell her story. And, you know, we got a little bit out of her and sadly that, was when I was talking about part of the audio failures I was having the second night when we were talking about that, that's when um, all that happened on uh, the second night. The uh, We had went into, um, we kind of split back up in groups again, and the men, we had went back into the study area, and we ended up speaking to what we believe was the spirit of that uh, traveling uh, preacher, uh, things like an Episcopalian preacher. You know, we we did a little bit of light provocation. We don't normally provoke, but he kind of deserved it. That we were trying to kind of get a little more information out of him. He was a little salty in his language. <laughs> uh, 
at one point in time. Um, and I was <laughs> during that time, I was actually trying to save my battery and I missed some of that conversation on the, uh, when they were doing the uh, spirit box in there. But basically what we were able to piece together through history that we knew through the responses that we think we have a way of actually getting proof of what he did because there was a cabinet and a desk that a descendant of the Carter family had, and they had offered the cabinet up to come back to be part of the historic site, but not the desk. And in one of our exchanges, we were talking about the desk. We had also kind of picked up the word proof or something like that. And so we believe that there is proof in that desk that would uh, clear every bit of this up. Some Something in that desk, there's proof of those murders. And uh, I think they're going to uh, try to find that out um, through, through the site to make sure. Now, the last thing that we did that night is we had a group spirit box session and the, uh, the lead investigator, Matt, he, um, was the one that went under Estes that night and we all, uh, went upstairs and he had kind of went into a, a room by himself and we were like in another room and we were asking the questions. So he had one, he couldn't hear what we were asking and B, he was in a whole nother space yelling out stuff that we were, he was picking up and we were definitely getting uh, a lot of interaction there. Uh, one point in time, he, he said that he was talking to that preacher or he was hearing the voice and, you know, he said like, you know, I'm coming up. And so they, they said, we need, we need somebody to come and stand on the stairs just to, uh, you know, kind of stand watch. And that's what one of the ladies who was asking the questions, she was very uncomfortable at that point. So I went over and stood by the stairs and was, you know, standing guard. And then they were, another thing that was brought up was about a map. and we. And it was asked what was on that map. And what was really cool is I may have picked up quite possibly one of the best EVPs I have ever, well, A, gotten, and B, all around heard. If it is legit, uh, and it wasn't just somebody in one of the other rooms talking, and I'm, I'm sending, I've also sent that maybe to be verified to see if anybody can say, um, for sure, but we got a response, or at least I did on my with my camera microphone. I got a response um, when they were asked well, what was on the map, and I'm going to play that for you right now. Something about a map. There's a map downstairs. No map, maybe. What's on the what? map downstairs in the office? Now I'm going to play it one more time with 
the audio enhanced just a little bit. I'm going to bring the voice um, of the tail end up uh, to try to make it easier to hear. Something about a map. There's a map downstairs. What's on the map downstairs in the office? All in all, it was a pretty successful ghost hunt, and I definitely want to go back and investigate there again to see what we can get, especially at the Carter Mansion. I still think that there is more stories to be told out of that house. And if I do, you all will definitely be hearing about that investigation. Well, gang, I really hope that you all have enjoyed this episode about the Sycamore Shoals and Carter Mansion. Um, I look forward to uh, seeing you all um, again or talking to you all again, <laughs> however you want to put it. But we really enjoyed doing this show for you guys. And uh, we hope that you all enjoy what we put out. A little heads up as to what our next episode is going to be. We're going to be doing an episode on the Myrtles. Um, I think it's the uh, plan, uh, Myrtles Plantation. And uh, that was brought up by one of our longtime listeners, Lynn. Uh, she had mentioned it on our Facebook group. And I think that's what we're going to be doing for our next episode. So, Lynn, thank you for the episode idea. And we will be doing that coming up very, very soon. Well, I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Good night. And God bless, my friends. We'll see you soon.